you know, I think sometimes we get used to a song being kind of short, like we have an attention span on songs, and um, it's short, because songs on the radio, they usually shoot for around the three-minute mark. But a song like I Surrender All or some of those hymns, y'all, you know, it's like God just kept showing them things, and they didn't think, oh, I could put this in another song. They, they were like, this is too good, verse 5, you know. <laughs> um, but I love those because you can just, I like to get along by myself and play those songs for like, I don't know, 30 minutes. And just think about it. Think about those verses, you know. If you get you a, actually you can look it up online. I forget we have Google now. But if you get you a hymn book and you go through those hymns and you read those words, those people went through some stuff They came through it with profound insight from God. And those stories behind those songs are awesome. I love hearing a powerful song like The Lion and the Lamb, or we were talking about this at our table last night, um, God of Angel Armies. That is powerful, but the story behind the song happened that the, the guy that wrote it, his wife was having a problem with, like, fear and anxiety real bad. And um, he had been working on it. All he had was the chorus, kind of just, you know, dinking around on his guitar and stuff. And uh, one night she couldn't sleep. It was just so bad, you know. And so he got his guitar out, and he sat on the bed with her. And he sang, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. Have you ever just had those sleepless nights? Let God give you a song in those nights. Let God give you his word. Get up. Don't lay there in fear. Get up and let God fight your battle. He can't do it if you won't get up and acknowledge that he is God. But you get up and you claim those promises and you lay it at the feet of Jesus and you go to bed with your heart lifted. Okay, so actually what we're going to talk about today is prayer. And um, I did it know until I got here that you guys were having these prayer meeting things on Wednesdays just to pray for specific things in your church and stuff and you know Amy said you know since we started praying she got you got sick Matt got kidney stone Judson got sick you know I always get really excited when we're praying breaking through and all hell breaks loose because you're like oh it's fixing to get good And I promise you guys, you know, you keep on doing that and you keep on praying through and you watch the Lord break through those strongholds. Satan does not try to attack anyone who's living in sin. He tries to attack the ones who are trying to get out. Satan won't attack somebody who's fine and comfortable staying where they are. He's going to attack the ones that are going to take God at his word and let him fight their battles. That's where he's going to be. So if he's all up in my biz, I'm like, oh, yeah, because you know, you know. So, we are going to talk about prayer today, and we all know how to lay our petitions before the Lord. That part of prayer comes early, because we desperately know that we need God, and we need to lay our problems at His feet, but sometimes we just, it's like giving God our to-do list. Like, I, I need you to do this. Would you please do this? Would you take this away from me? Will you help me with this? Will you please help that person because they're getting on my nerves and they need it, you know? And you're just doing all this, like, to-do list. And, you, you know, you may feel better for a few minutes, but when you pray that way and you get up and walk away, 
that's going to go away quick. You're going to feel good for venting, but you're going get, to like, get a few minutes into your day or an hour down the road, and you're going to feel like you didn't pray at all. Because the second half of prayer and the most profound time of prayer is when he speaks. You can lay your troubles down and walk away and still struggle with them the rest of the day because you don't have a word from God to give you staying power in those problems. So I want to just throw this out, which I'm, I'm sure we know this, but sometimes just to be reminded that praying isn't just talking to God. Praying is hearing God and responding to what he says. A major difference between a believer in Christ and an unbeliever is this. And I, y'all, this is a dumb moment, but I just want us to put this on paper so we know. A believer has a personal relationship with God. And that's important. Um, I will not, I have no problem telling you this. This that I'm telling you today came from a study that I'm going through. Sometimes God gives me things to say, like last night, they just, he just drops it all in my heart, and I'm like, I need to tell people that. That is really good. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes he speaks straight to your heart. Sometimes he speaks through someone else. Sometimes he speaks through a Bible study or his word. You know, don't limit God. He's our creator. He can speak to you however he wants to. But this that I'm teaching you today came from a Bible study that I'm going through myself, and it is so profound that I do not have a problem reteaching because it is so good. Okay, we vitally need to hear from God. It is better to make decisions based on God's knowledge rather than mine. I read that like four times because... How many times do we try to think it through, reason in our own mind, figure out the best answer, go do it, it blows up in our face, and we're like, Lord, you said you would be with me. He also said that I want to give you wisdom, and if you just ask me, I will, but we don't sometimes. Tracy, will you bring me a mint or something? I'm getting dry mouth, and I just don't want to be just swigging this water. have to take a potty break. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, so we vitally need to hear from God. It is better to make decisions based on God's knowledge rather than mine. I skipped one, but I know y'all know how to fill it in. One major part of a personal, intimate relationship is what? It starts with a C and ends with communication. Communication, that is very true. And we know that communication is a two-way street, and we make it that way, like with our husbands, our friends, our children. We talk, they talk back. But sometimes we treat our relationship with God like it's just us talking, he listens, and we go on. And that's not how it should be. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given him. He is a good father. The Bible says, um, in another verse, it says, If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Wisdom is a good gift. I mean, 
it's iffy if you're praying for a Mercedes that you're going to get it or not. It depends on if God thinks that's something that would serve you best. So you, you, you don't have a promise to stand on when you go to try to claim a big house or whatever. But you do have a promise to stand on when you go to him and ask for wisdom. Because he said, ask me and I will give it. And if he don't give it right away, then there's a reason. Sometimes you ask for wisdom and you don't get an answer. And so then you jump in, do your own logical thinking and like jump into something you shouldn't be in. There's a reason God doesn't answer right away, and a lot of times it is this, because he wants us to draw near to him. You know, just because we're his children and he wants a relationship with us, the creator, the God of everything, the savior of the world, is our father, is our friend, is our helper. And sometimes he don't want us to just run to him, lay our list out, get an answer and walk away, because that doesn't build our faith and that does not build intimacy with him, wait on God. And don't wait nervous, and don't wait anxious, and don't get heart palpitations, get all depressed and stuff. The Bible says that we should wait expectantly on God. Like, I don't hear you, and I don't know what to do right now, but I will not be shaken because you are fighting my battles, and there's a reason why I don't have this answer now. In Hebrews, it says that, you know, God is shaking the things that can be shaken, you know, to get them on off, so that the things that cannot be shaken may remain, so that we are a strong foundation, so that we are rock solid in him, standing on the rock of ages. And when the storms come and they hit us, we are just so grounded that we're like, that threw me. I didn't see that coming. But you know what? God is my salvation and he is on the way waiting on God. There's something to be said about waiting. Okay, now the next thing, I I sort of hit on that with the Mercedes thing, but when God speaks, it will always line up with his word. It will always line up with his word. And we have to be led by the Holy Spirit to comprehend his word. Because there are weirdos that take verses and stand on promises that they just made up their own self. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inside of us is our teacher. He will teach us all that we need to know. When you're looking for a verse to claim a big old fat house or something like that, in your spirit, in my spirit anyways, I get this like, you know, you, you hear things and you hear people say, like, it's all about prosperity and God means for his kids to be rich. Listen, John the Baptist walked around in weird, furry stuff and ate bugs. And he was the one that proclaimed the way of the Lord. God, he has people that serve him that are the wealthiest of the wealthy. And, like, look at Solomon. He fell off the track because of it, but, okay, he was rich. And the poorest of the poor, like John the Baptist, it's not about where you are in life. It's not about your lot. It's about being where you are and serving God where you are. So our prayers need to just be kind of like redirected in that way. And we cannot be afraid to just be honest with people because I think this is not in there. But I just thought of this. Debt is a horrible master. But sometimes we look at the people around us and think that we have to have something to keep up with them 
or you know you don't feel as secure in who you are because you don't have certain things that other people may have or, or whatever and so we just go out on credit and get this stuff or we just go into debt to look like we have stuff that we don't and the bible says no one can serve two masters you can't serve god and money you're going to love one and hate the other not that you're going to go around saying, you know, I got money or I'm in debt or whatever, so I don't like Jesus. But that's what your life is going to say. You're like, I need all these things to make me happy because God is not enough. That's what it looks like. So we can never be afraid to just stand on God's word, stand where we are, and serve where we are. Paul said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. He's like, I, I was in need before. I abounded before, like I've been in all these places, but I just learned wherever I am to be content in God. And we need to learn that. Okay, this next one, when I, when I heard this, I was like, oh, you need to get to the point. Because it, was, it struck me and I did not get it. But hearing God is not something you do. It's someone you are. And when I heard that, I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's something that you do because hearing is a verb. But it brought us right into our text for today um, when it says, I am a sheep. And I know these two things sound really random, but they really do go together. And I promise the Bible backs this up. Okay, John 10, 1 through 4 says this. Now, I think all John 10 is pretty awesome, and I could have read the whole thing, but then I would have just had to be like, thank you, ladies, for your time, and get off the stage. So I am going to skip some, but not because I'm like cutting out God's word or anything. Go home and read the whole thing. It is really good. John 10, 1 through 4 says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Some, I have known some people who actually believe that God doesn't speak anymore. And that is so sad. Because God, who made communication and made us in his image, wants to communicate with us. That would be so mean if he didn't. I mean, he would make us with this ability to communicate and then be like, have fun with that, but not me and you. That makes no sense. God wants to communicate with his people now. And there's so many ways that he talks to us. He talks to us through his word, but y'all, he talks to us in prayer. In a still, small voice sometimes, and sometimes we ain't listening. I thank God for the times that he hits me in the face with it. Because, I mean, at first you're like, oh, that is so nice. Tell me, Lord. Sometimes I pray a prayer that says this, Lord, <laughs> give me the direction that you want me to go. 
and make it so plain that even I don't miss it. And he will do that because he knows his special children that need special help. John 10, 11 says this. Jesus is talking about himself. All this stuff I'm reading in John 10, by the way, Jesus is talking. Words in red, they're important. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And I put that in there just because we're reading about the shepherd and him speaking and his voice. And I don't want y'all to think, I mean, I, mean, I just want to make really sure we know this is Jesus. He said, I am the shepherd. I'm telling you this stuff, and I want you to know I speak, and my sheep hear my voice, but this is me. I speak to you. John 10, 16 says this, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. The first time I ever read this verse, I was like, Who are those creepy other sheep? Because I just need to know that. Um, And then I realized that was me. Because... The sheep that God is, uh, that Jesus is at first addressing, obviously, is his people, the Jews. So those other sheep that weirded me out at first, it was me. Then I felt better. So when he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, he means us. So just in case, you know, we want to say, well, God did speak to his people in the Old Testament, and that was the Jews, but we're the Gentiles, and we don't, you know, hear God speak. He wanted to make sure that none of us... um, were mistaken, and he said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Just raise your hand like this, because that is us, me. I must bring them also. Jesus needs to also lead us, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And just to reiterate one more time, because John 10 is loaded, but John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. God's word is like the most priceless gift we could ever get. And people sometimes feel like, well, this isn't that relevant to today. This is so eerily relevant to today. Okay, I woke up this morning, and in Second Chronicles that nobody likes to read in, God said, I'm fighting your battles today. It was so accurate. It was so what I needed. God's word is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides the thoughts and intentions of our heart out. Like sometimes I can't go up to my friend and say, your motives were kind of wrong and you, you know, eh. You need to work on that. Like, you're kind of being selfish. Sometimes if someone comes to us and says that, you may have the right truth at the wrong time, and some, you just lost a friend or something. But we can each come humbly before the throne of grace. We can open our Bible, and God can divide out our thoughts and intentions, and we hear it, and we heed it, and we change. That is why a Bible time every day is so important, and it is not Sometimes we do it so we can, like, put our gold star on the attendance chart, how we used to do in Sunday school sometimes. You know, like, I sort of read. I don't remember what it was, but I did it. Did it. You know? Or I laid out my to-do list before the Lord, so I prayed. Gold star. But God wants us to come before him. I put my Bible and 
and notebook beside my bed. So I can literally like open my eyes and go, <laughs> get it and sit up and start my day. Because somehow if you try to sneak it in some other time, there's always going to be something come up and get in the way. And before I hit my feet on the floor in the morning, I know that I'm going to need God from minute number one. So I try to make it the first thing I do in the morning. But God wants to speak to us. Okay, three things about the ability to hear God. And we're still thinking on the thing that I said where um, hearing God is not something you do, it's someone you are. I know you guys want me to explain that. I really wanted that explained. So here's the very first thing. Three things about the ability to hear God. Number one, it is innate. I-N-N-A-T-E. I didn't know it had two N's, so you're welcome. It is innate. The ability to hear God is innate. You are born with it when you are born again. When you're a born again child of God, born into his family, hearing God is someone you are. A born again child. God's children, God's sheep, hear his voice. So don't ever feel like, you know, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not super holy or spiritual enough to hear God's voice. God wants to speak to every one of his children. He just wants you to listen and he will speak. Um, He is my shepherd. He, I am the sheep. And Jesus said, in case we forgot it, I just want to cover this whole conversation in scripture. My sheep hear my voice. When we are born again into God's family, we are his sheep. We are his child. So we have the ability to hear the voice of God. Okay, we were created in the image of God. I already talked about this, but God is a communicating God. You know, he talked to Moses in that burning bush. I'm so glad he talks to us the way he does now. Because he, he spoke out of a um, burning bush, and he did all kinds of stuff, like let his angels appear in their face and stuff. God speaks to us, but his spirit is inside of us. And he can use other people. But be careful of someone who's always coming to you saying, God told me to tell you. Because I'm a sheep. God's going to speak to me, especially if I'm seeking him. And I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes someone will say, you know, I feel like God wanted me to tell you this. But if that happens every Sunday, you need to be like, take that with a grain of salt. Weigh that um, next to God's word. And, um, you know, someone may need to have a conversation with that person because, because God needs to tell me something. I'm his child. He will tell me. So we need to watch for that. Anyway. So the number one is, it is innate. When we are born again into God's family, we have the ability to hear God. Number two, which seems to contradict number one, which makes this whole talk really cool. Number two, it is learned. We are born with the ability to hear God, but it is learned. Example, babies, toddlers, children, they can hear us from when they're first born, but they do not understand what we're saying, you know? 
And then you get on up to a toddler age, and they can kind of tell your um, tone. Uh, not toddler. Uh, excuse me. It's been a long time. I have teenage kids. Um, but then you get on up to, like, you know, a crawling baby or something like that, not a newborn, and they can tell your tones. And you get on up to toddlers, and they, listen, toddlers know the word no, but they do not like it. But they know it. But, um... So they go on up to toddlers, they get on to be children, and children and toddlers, they can communicate with you. But do you ever find yourself responding and you think, like, I have to put this on a level they understand? Um, that is what I pray for God to do with me. I'm like, dumb it down, Lord, dumb it down. I just really want to know that I'm hearing you right. Don't, I mean, I think part of humbling ourselves before God, he already knows it, but just tell him, like, I'm a sheep, I really need you to clarify, you know? And he will. So, that's the thing. It has to be taught. And the disciples said in Luke 11, 1, Oh, Lord, teach us to pray. You guys are going into these times on Wednesdays where you're having these prayer meetings and stuff, and God is on the move, I promise. But there is something about just humbling yourself before God and saying, prayer is powerful. It is a communication between heaven and earth. It is a communication between a human and our creator. That baffles me. I could say that and then just sit here and think about it for a really long time. Y'all would get bored, but I would just stand here baffled thinking about it. Because that's amazing. And I want to get it right. There is, there is something amazing when you just come before God and honestly say, teach me to pray. There is power in prayer. Prayer changes things. The God that is in control of heaven and earth, that can move heaven and earth, that can make a mountain in your life into a molehill in a second. I want to get my communication right with him. And it is exciting. In our questionnaire time last night, Amy said she writes her prayers out to help keep her self-focused. And she said, it's great to do that because then you can go back and you check off the ones that are answered. And you flip through that book before you start praying and you just feel really mighty through the power of God. You're like, you did this, you did this, you did this. So this thing I'm praying you about today, I know it's going to be fine. But, oh Lord, teach us to pray. Because the second half of hearing God, or the second half of prayer, is hearing God. The first half is important too. Jesus put verses in the Bible that says, you know, cast your cares on me, be anxious for nothing, you know, let your petitions and requests be made known to me. He said that, but if that's where we stop, we are missing so much. We need to just sit before God, lay our petitions and requests out, and sometimes I don't even know what I'm waiting to hear. Like, I have no idea. Um, I may not have even asked for anything right then. I may have just said, you know... Um, God, you're great, you're mighty, you're holy, king of the world, and whatever. If you do it in your room, you can pace when you do it, and you can just, you know, just really, really tell him stuff. Like, it's awesome. But then just wait. And sometimes I just, all I can think about while I'm being still is the verse that says to be still and know that I am God. Like, just sit still, take a break. In our day and age, we are so... Um, we have to be, like, entertained 24-7. And, like, long, awkward pauses in church, you're like, what happened? What went wrong? Oh, my gosh, I need to go to the bathroom. Maybe when I come back, there'll be something going on, you know? 
with our phones. We got a free second. Say we're in a doctor's office or we're waiting on an appointment. We don't sit in the waiting room and just smile at people and try to start up a conversation. I do, but I'm creepy, okay? Um, but we'll just get our phone out and, like, start looking and scrolling through because there's security in not having to be vulnerable and, like, talk to someone. I'm fine with it. I love awkward silences. It does not bother me. I will just look at you and grin, and then when you say something, I'll say something back. It's fine. But there are times when God wants to speak, and we can't be so, like, cram-packed with um, technology and stuff that we keep our minds going and we don't stop. And the more that we be still, the easier it is to be still. And the quiet don't bother us anymore. Like, those long spaces in between the songs used to bother me. I used to cut those out and run out of breath. Because I'd be like, it's coming on the clouds, King King's will bite, and every chain will break. I mean, just so nothing was, like, too spacey. But I've learned to appreciate the pauses where God has a chance to speak into my life and do really great things. Um, This is free, but I'm weird, and I am not allowed to be a greeter at our church anymore. I sometimes do because I know when people um, aren't going to make it because I do scheduling. So I see them decline, and I don't tell anyone on purpose. So that I get there, and I'm like, oh, we're one down. I guess it's going to be me because I'm so excited When people come in, like to see the people come back that I love, that are my friends and my sisters and brothers in Christ. But when new people come in, Lord help. I'm just waiting, waiting. I open the door for them and I let them get through the door. And then I'm like, I'm Christy and I'm so glad you're here today. God's going to speak to you today. But then they're like, he is? Oh, I'm going home, you know. I tone it down. Not inside, though. Inside, I'm like, but outwardly, you know. Anyways, just because I love people and I love God and I know that when they come before him, when we take time to come into his presence, we are going to leave changed. Even if it's not evident at first, I believe that when God's word goes forth, it plants a seed that starts growing right then. So if I go into a service and speak or sing and people look at me like this, see that awkward silence I did? (laughs) It doesn't even bother me anymore because I know that I'm just supposed to plant the seed. God is going to deal with whatever's growing in there. And I plant the seed with joy and gladness, and then I just leave, and it's fine. Other people get discouraged when they don't see the result they hoped they would. And I used to be that way because I would just, you know those songs that just grip your heart, that you just cry in the car on and you just put on repeat in your house? I get up on stage, and I'm like, I can't wait. Oh, Lord, heaven will come down today. And then I sing it, you know, while I'm singing it. And there was a time where I just wanted to cut it off. Like, no, mm -mm. your wood's wet. You don't get it. We'll come back and do this again later. But that's not true. Sometimes it takes hearing it and grabbing onto the truth and meditating on it. And then one day, you know, it's delayed, but it's awesome. That's how I am with jokes. People, like, tell something snazzy, quick joke. Everyone laughs. I'm like, that was dumb. And then I go about my business and then just, like, die laughing later because um, I'm not (laughs) quick-witted. So, anyways, it is something, going back to prayer, whoop, not chase that rabbit, rope it in. It is learned. We are to come to God with thanksgiving, to repent of our sins, to bring our requests and petitions, but then we listen to him. Okay, number three. 
it is matured. Hearing God is matured. Now, we can use the analogy of children because, well, it works, and we are children of God. So it is learned. Babies can hear your voice, but they don't know what you're saying. Toddlers hear you but ignore you on purpose, okay? But hearing God is matured. Once a child has learned to speak, do they still need to mature in their communication skills? Oh, yeah. You ever have those kids that's just like, I love asking kids questions because they will tell you, does Miss Christy look old today? And they're like, "Mm mm-hmm. You know you're going to get honesty, but, you know, communication is matured. Those kids, they just, like, pop off with whatever's on the top of their head, and when they're mad, it just spouts right out, you know? And we like to think as adults that we've, like, matured and grown out of that, but you get us to a place where we're stressed and we can't take, like, one more thing, it's like an atom bomb went off, and you just explode. But hearing God is matured, and not everything that you think you hear is God. When, when we first start making it a point to lay our request out to God and then listen, not everything we hear is God. Sometimes that's just our own ideas popping in there, and you're like, well, this is so confusing. And it can be. But here's, here's a way to tell. You have to weigh everything um, against God's word, but it may be your religious upbringing or the way you were raised bringing those thoughts into your head, like, you know, you're praying for a direction or whatever, but then ultimately your backstory is going to speak, and God wants to speak, and and then you're like, I don't know. I don't even know if this is God or myself. Tell God that. Pray like I pray. I love the prayer, like, Lord, make it so plain, even I don't miss it. Please hit me between the eyes with what you're saying, please. And he will. He will. If you don't have a book, chapter, and verse that backs up that idea or principle that don't make you go like this, I think that's a stretch. Because you get that feeling, you know, when you really want God to do something, and you go looking through the Word, and you're like, I got me one. And you read it, and it's in the context of something that does not even apply to you. We know that, but we just try to claim it anyways. If you do not have a book, chapter, and verse that backs up that idea or principle that you think you heard from God, then you did not hear from God. Everything that God speaks, you know, he spoke this word. And everything that he speaks to us will line up with his word because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He's not going to have truths and principles in here and tell you something that contradicts that. That is not God. He confirms things through his word, the Bible. But going back to yesterday, if we never read it, then we won't know what we're hearing if it lines up with God's word or not. So in 1 John 4, 1 through 6, I wanted to put this in here too, just to like to let you know other things, other, I don't want to freak anyone out, but, but things try to speak to you that it's not God. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. People are not the problem. We need to remember that. When that person is just whatever they're doing, there is a spirit behind that. If you are not serving God and advancing the kingdom of God, there's no gray area. You're either working 
in cooperation with God or you are working in cooperation with the enemy. That's it. There's no gray. There's no standstill. There's nothing like that. You're either all in for the Lord or you can be used for Satan's evil purposes. That, that is the honest to God truth. But it says in 1 John 4, 1 through 6, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Because when we start talking about spirits, I'm sorry, I got... Okay. When we start talking about spirits or like, you know, God's spirit feels all good and stuff, but anyone bring up any evil spirits in the world and we're like, that's hooky, I don't want to hear it, you know, don't preach about hell or evil or anything... That is like choosing to be ignorant of something that will keep you defeated in your Christian life. We need to know that these things exist, and we need to know that none of them ever overpower God. There's a verse in the Bible that says, those who are for you are more than those who are against you. And there's a verse that says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We win. We always win. We just have to know that we do. So he put this verse in there, too. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. There are evil spirits in the world. There are spirits of Antichrist, like teaching the opposite of what the Bible says. But he just wants you to know you overcome them. For, oh, <laughs> for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I promise y'all I read these before I got up here, but I forgot that was in there. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm just forgetful, and I just think God's reconfirming things, and in my mind, he is, okay? <laughs> okay. He is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak, speak from the world. The spirits that are in the world, the ones that are preaching opposite God's word. And the world listens to them, but we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. This is a... Uh, John talking, duh. Duh. I was like, oh, no, I didn't check to see who wrote this book. First John. John talking. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay? God's given us a way to discern the spirits, and it's not something to, like, dwell on. Because people that dwell on evil spirits just get weird, Right? And they think everything is an evil spirit coming against somebody or whatever. They creep me out. God doesn't, evil doesn't creep me out because I know God's more powerful. But those people that think that, you know, Satan's in everything, some of it is just our own dumb flesh and our own bad choices. Sometimes the devil didn't make me do it. That was totally me. So we don't need to, like, Overly focus on those things, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Like, he doesn't want us to just not know. So, a couple of things I wanted to throw out, which one I already did, is immaturity in hearing God. 
And just like, you know, you're growing in your language as a, like, baby to a toddler to a child to an adult, we're not going to get it right all the time. But is that any reason not to try, not to be matured, not to grow? But these are some things to watch out for. Immaturity in hearing God. The first one is a message a minute philosophy. Like if somebody, I already said this, but a message a minute philosophy is everything that ever happens, God told you. You know, like someone will be sitting at a table <clears throat> eating and make the comment like, you know, God told me not to use too much salt because, you, you know, you could be like, or you learn that in nutrition class. You know, things that are obvious, that, that are common sense, you know, like, God told me to wear this. Well, I mean, yeah, he said cover your body, but whatever. Like, people just overthink it and say, God said all the time. That's immaturity. Because when God speaks, it's profound. It changes your life. And yes, there are day-to-day things where God will say, go here, talk to this person. That happens. But be wary of saying, God said all the time. Because we are imperfect And to say that all the time is going to set us up to get things wrong. So a message a minute philosophy. Okay, the point and hope philosophy. The point and hope philosophy is this. You know, have you ever, like, had someone take out their Bible or tell you they did, and they're like, Lord, I need to hear from you. Wherever this Bible falls open is what you want me to know. So so it's like you open it up, and you're like, and the dung hill was very large. You know, or something. What does that mean? What does that mean? The point and hope philosophy is, you know, Lord, guide this finger as it lands somewhere because I don't have that much time and I just need to know what you're going to say. We know that doesn't work, but it was funny though, right? Because sometimes I'm not, I'm not even going to lie, y'all. I have done that before. It's hilarious. But it was immature. I'm very mature now. I just tell people that all the time because they don't seem to know. I am so mature. Very, very, very mature. That is what my ladies do too, though. They just laugh. Okay. The third one is the K Sarah Sarah philosophy. Y'all know that song, that old Doris Day song? Whatever will be, will be. I couldn't spell K Sarah Sarah. I had to Google that. So it's Q U E S E R A. S E R A twice. Um It's the thought that whatever I choose is God's will. What, like you're you're like, you know, okay, God guides my life. He is in me. But instead of taking the time that we need to come before him in his word and in his prayer, in prayer, we don't want to take that time. So we just take the approach that God is in me. He's leading me everywhere. So whatever I choose right now is him trying to, like, take that shortcut around what we need to be doing with K Sarah Sarah. The thought that whatever I choose is God's will. <clears throat> what you've planned is not always God's desire for your life. I told you last night I had a plan. I was going to, like, sing on a bus and travel around and stuff. Um, and then God's like, nope, you're going to be a pastor's wife and not travel at all. I'm here, though. I mean, I traveled. Um, but I thought I was going to come in on a bus with some really cool, like, band members. I didn't think I was going to roll up in here by myself. But anyways, but here's the thing, though. God's plans for your life are, 
not always the ones you have, but God's plans for your life, you wouldn't trade for anything. You know, you look at the two things, like in my mind, I look at two things, like traveling and singing or being a pastor's wife, which is hard because my mom was one and my mother-in-law was one, and I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly in the church. I lived in the fishbowl where people were like, you know, always looking at me, which I'm just a person too, and I'm, I mess up, but growing up in a church that as a kid, people were almost waiting on you to mess up so they could go tell your dad, um, and it built an anxiety in my life, and it built a fear of people and a, um, a want to please people more and focus on God less, and it just really got me all whacked up. But God delivered me from that stuff, and I realized God's calling me to do this. We're going back to this verse that I love to say. Faithful is he who calls you, who also will do it. And in the position that I'm in, I thought it would wrap me up in an anxiety that I could not even function in. And I'm realizing that God is bringing me through this, and I'm so free. My anxiety used to be so bad that I would be pushing a buggy in Walmart, going down the aisle, and see someone coming down the aisle the other way that I knew. And I'm like, do I say, hey, hello? Do I just smile? Do I keep walking? Do I stop and talk to her? Like, does she need to talk or does she not need to talk? Um, is she busy or does she need some to tell me something? And before the person would even get to me, I couldn't breathe. I felt like someone was sitting on my chest. That is the chains that Satan wants to bind you up in to keep you from the things that God has for you to do. And there's just a point in a time where you come before God and you're like, you know, I can only seek to please you. Because I know if I seek to please you, you're going to make these relationships what they need to be. And it frees us up to just love. You know, like um, I know I'm a little bit dorky. And I used to be like, Christy, don't do something stupid. Just be cool. Just be cool. Be one of the cool girls. You know, please just be normal. Um, and try to like stifle that down and be something that I wasn't. And that builds anxiety. But when you're like, I'm dorky. Sometimes I trip over my feet. But it's okay, you know. God frees you in that. You know, he gives you like an acceptance of who you are and who you are in him. I mean, I liked shoulder pads way after they went out. Because one time my grandpa told me, it really squares your shoulders up nice. <laughs> one, he was my grandpa, so obviously he loved them forever. And two, like just that one thing just made me think I needed to wear them all the time. I love shoulder pads. I loved clothes. Like me and my sister can be shopping, and she'll find something, and then the first thing she'll do is be like, well, you could wear it. That, you could do it. <laughs> You can pull that off because my style borderlines on like senior citizen vintage. And sometimes I don't see the line, but I don't care anymore. I just, I just love it. Just being free in God to just be yourself is amazing. Just be yourself. People laughed at me before. I mean, I would start sweating and just feel so ridiculous, you know, and stuff. And God's just brought me to a place where, you know, like, you're not that important. Laugh at your own self. You're funny, girl. You're funny. And I'm okay with that now. So we just need to know that wherever God wants to take us, he's going to use our own personality, our, who we are, and put that together with his will for our life, and it makes something beautiful. 
to God. <laughs> People might be like, you just need help. But God thinks it's beautiful, okay? So here's the bottom line. I am a sheep. God is my shepherd, and he wants to speak to me. And because he wants to speak to me, and he is the creator of the whole world, I should really want to hear from him. So, let's bow in prayer, and then we'll turn it over to Rebecca. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for your faithfulness to speak to us. And God, forgive us for the times where we ever took that privilege lightly, or we ever looked at it as a burden. Because prayer is powerful. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves heaven to act on our behalf in Jesus' name. So, Lord, I pray that as the truth has gone out today, as your word has gone out today, Lord, that we would just grab onto it, Lord, and that it would spring up in our hearts, Lord, to freedom, to deliverance, to a calling that is above us, to communication with the God of the universe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't God great? I'm sure you all are learning just as much as I am, but um, just to reaffirm for Christy, let's give her a big round of applause. She's doing a great job.